Hi, welcome to the Strength and Dignity podcast, where we talk about faith and lifestyle for young Christian women. I'm your host, Kelsey Pryor. Here you'll find conversations around the Bible, stories and testimonies from guests, and encouragement for your walk with the Lord. Before we get started, be sure to smash that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Hey guys, welcome back to the Strength and Dignity podcast. Today I'm speaking with my friend Naomi. She's the author of the Driven chapter in the Strength and Dignity Bible study here. So I'm going through my series of interviewing all the authors and this is the third one. So hi, Naomi. Hey, what's up? (laughs) Uh, Naomi and I have been really close friends for, do you realize that we're coming up on our 10 year anniversary? Oh my gosh, no way, 10 years? That's insane. Yes. Oh my gosh, you're right. (laughs) I know. We met right around our 11th birthday and like right after yours and right before mine and we're about like, we're gonna turn 21 this year. So that's 10 years. (laughs) Well, that's crazy. I totally forgot about that. (laughs) Crazy stuff. So um, we're gonna dive into Naomi's testimony and kind of um, her thought process and things that she's learned that led her to writing the Driven chapter. If you haven't read that already, go ahead and grab the book at withstrengthanddignity.com. But I really love Naomi's. (laughs) I really love Naomi's chapter. She has um, a lot of insight. So we want to dive into that and then anything that God has been teaching her right now in her current season. Um, But first, I thought we would just share a little bit of the story of how we met. So like I said, we met when we were 11. Um, she lives about five hours away from me and, um, my family used to travel around in an RV all the time throughout the summer. So we were actually visiting friends of ours. We were staying with them for like two months or something like that, living in their driveway in our RV and Naomi went to their church. So we met at her church one time and, um, our families kind of became friends. So (laughs) I don't know if you want to fill in any gaps or add anything to that. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of funny because most of the time when we tell like the story of how we met, it's always a funny beginning because like we really didn't like each other that much at first. Or I know Kelsey said she like didn't like me at first. And so it's just funny because I, she totally came to visit like the family that lived next door to me, but we ended up like just becoming buddies and pals. And basically like it was like best friends from like that moment forward. Um, and I like every chance I got, I would like, go with our neighbors when they would go up when our neighbors would like go visit her family I would like always try and like beg them to give me like a spot in their car so I could go visit Kelsey's family and it's yeah it's just kind of crazy we have a lot of kind of crazy stories like from our childhood dumb things we did (laughs) yeah I know it's crazy because I feel like our child like our whole childhood was together but we were really long distance the whole time and we would see each other like maybe twice a year um, and we had a few times where we didn't see each other like at all for like a year at a time um, and so it's been a really really sweet friendship because we've gotten to see each other um, grow and learn through lots of different situations and um, lots of different visits lots of different fun like playing outside because she lives actually on a farm so we had lots of like farm stories and then she would come down and visit us and um, more like in my crazy household with all my siblings. Um, And then as we've gotten older, it's looked differently. And now we can finally drive each other to each other's houses instead of catching rides whenever we can. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But now she actually lives in Hawaii. So she's going to give a little bit of that story as well, too, when we talk about um, what God's doing in her life right now. So we're slightly more long distance, but we're kind of used to it. Um, 
<laughs> but she still visits home in the summers usually. So we still get to see each other like once a year, which is really awesome. But um, yeah, so we've kind of known each other most of our lives, I guess half that's kind of crazy to think about it like that, but half of our lives have been, we've been best friends. So um, I really loved reading your chapter when you first sent it to me, just because um, I feel like there was a lot of stuff that you have learned throughout your life that kind of came across in the chapter that I kind of either watched you struggle through or learn about um, or like you've you told me like in that season. So I really want to dive into like your testimony, how you got saved, any key points growing up and then how that leads into you writing your driven chapter. Yeah, I guess for me, I mean, I know the reason that I like I was so stoked about writing the chapter that really went after like the characteristic of being like driven because I know that one of my biggest battles in my life have been like, it's been unbelief. And one of the biggest battles I've had is trusting and believing that God is like a good God and that he really has his hands like over me and that I'm like actually a part of something like way bigger than myself. Um, And I know like a point in the books, it's like, I think the end of the chapter, it like, ask the question to the readers where it's like, do you actually believe that you're part of like a greater story? Do you actually believe that you're part of God's story? And for me, I think growing up, my biggest battle was believing that I actually was a part of God's story because I didn't necessarily trust him for a long time. And so I like had so much unbelief in my heart. Um, But when I was super young, I think I was like, it was, I was probably like six or something. Um, but I just remember having conversations with my mom and I would tell her like, I'm going to change the world one day. Like, I know I'm going to like do crazy things. And she like, as every mom does, like, is like, okay, honey, like awesome. You know, here's your bowl of Cheerios or something. Like, it's like kind of like whatever. Um, but I know from the time I was a young kid, I've always like believed that there's been some capacity inside of me to do something really, really great. Um, and so when I was eight years old, my dad passed away from cancer. He got super sick um, and we found out and he had died like probably a month later. So it was like a really fast turnaround. Um, and it was world shattering for me because at the time I'm this young kid, I had just moved from my home state, Alaska to a new state. Um, my family's now living in Ohio. I like lost all my friends, don't live by family. And then my dad dies. And so all of a sudden I get so confused and I feel like my life just goes into this whirlwind and I start questioning everything. I start questioning the goodness of God. I start questioning um, like my own identity as a daughter um, because my mom, Mm -hmm. as incredible as she is and as much as I love her, it's like I can thank her for everything that I am now. But when a parent has to be mom and dad, it's so hard because they can't fully be mom and they can't fully be dad. And so her working full time my whole life and then coming home late at night sometimes like dinner was like a crockpot meal or ramen or macaroni. And it was like, you know, it just felt like family to me was was very shattered and it was very it felt very distant. And so I felt like I had to kind of like independently like make myself something. And I had to I had to be a good person. I had to um, live up to some standards because I didn't trust anybody over me to take care of me I didn't trust Mm -hmm. anybody over me to like to I don't know to like to be there because I think I was so Mm -hmm. worried that like if I put my faith and love in something but it disappoints me then 
it's going to shatter my world again. Like my world was shattered when I was eight years old. Um, and so I would say that like through the wrestle of my teenage years and through the wrestle of trusting and believing that God was good going between like, do I believe in his existence? Do I actually believe in the Bible? Like wanted to just like from the outside, I wanted everybody to think that I was just like awesome Christian and like, I love Jesus, but I was torn inside because I knew that God existed and I knew that he was a creator, but I didn't actually trust him and I didn't actually believe that he was good. And so in high school, I ended up randomly going on this mission trip to Thailand that my psychology teacher convinced me for some reason. She's like, you should go. And I was like, sounds sick. I want to travel the world. I'm going to do it. So I go on this mission trip, having no idea really what a mission trip is because I never really read, I'd never read through the Bible, didn't grow up in church. So I was like, I don't know, like maybe you like build like walls and like paint walls and like, <laughs> you know, things. like I just like, I didn't understand, I had no concept for what discipleship or like, I had no idea what any of that was. Um, and so I go on this trip and I'm seeing these like prostitutes walk these streets of Thailand and Chiang Mai. I'm seeing these orphan kids like walk these streets in Chiang Mai and I just got more angry at God. I was like, this is exactly what I mean. Like, how can anybody trust him? Like, look at, look at all, like, look how messed up the world is. Like, this doesn't make any sense. Um, but it was in that place of seeing the brokenness of the world that I actually started to realize the goodness of God because I ended up spending a few days at this orphanage where these young kids uh, walked me into this room and they started asking me to play guitar and they started singing when I was playing guitar and they started singing out in their language, like worship music to God. And I just started to cry. And I was mm. like, I don't understand how you, a seven-year-old girl who lost your mom and your dad, living in an orphanage, have like no food on the table, like are singing about how God is good. Like in my mind, that doesn't make any sense. It shifted something in me because I realized that like our trust for him doesn't, it's not based on our circumstances. Like our faith in who he is and our faith in the story that we're a part of isn't based on our circumstances. It's not based on whether or not we have a family. It's not based on whether or not we have food on the table. It's based on the belief in our heart when we actually make the decision to say, all right, I don't understand my circumstances, but I'm not going to let that define like the trust or the faith in my heart that I have towards God. And it's just, it's just that, that like, it's a shifting of like perspective to where it's like, you have to lock into something and convince yourself or let God convince you. Otherwise you have to let God like persuade you in your heart mm -hmm. and believe that despite your circumstances, he is trustworthy because these kids mm -hmm. are happy. They're full of joy. They have faith. And honestly, it's like, I could look at them from a worldly perspective and say, they have nothing. Why are they happy? But I look at them and then I look at them compared to broken people who live in my country, like girls and boys and men and women who live in America who have money and parents and they're more broken than those kids are because wow. they don't actually believe in the goodness of God, even though they have food on their table, even though they have a family, they don't have that perspective shift. They don't have that belief in their heart because they were never persuaded. They don't, you know what I mean? There's like a missing piece. And yeah. so I had to realize at that point, I was like, I have to make a decision whether or not I actually trust God. I have to make a decision whether or not I want my heart to like have faith in him. Like, ultimately came down to the question again it's like do I believe that I'm a part of something bigger and that God is bigger and his ability to cover me and his ability to to pull me in his story is greater than my ability to make something of myself 
and to try and like find peace on my own. Um, and so when I got back from that trip, I went to the, a church for like the first time in a really long time. Um, and I actually went with my whole family, which is crazy because we just didn't really do that growing up. Um, the only times I went to church growing up were like a few times with my neighbors and then a few times like with a random friend or something, but it was always for social events. It wasn't ever like, I just had, I like knew nothing. Um, but, um, my whole family decided to go to church this evening and this lady is speaking. Um, and they end up just basically saying like, if you feel in your heart that you want to make a decision to trust that God is good and that he wants you to be in his story. And if you've never given your life to the Lord before, I want you to like come to the front. And so mm. I remember in my heart thinking, I know I've, I've like never actually like prayed and asked God to like be Lord of my life. Cause I've, I've believed in him. So I'm like, I, I like think that I'm saved, but I never like fully said, God, I want to trust you. And I mm. want to declare that you're good despite my circumstances and brokenness. Um, and so my oldest brother actually went up first and he gave his life to the Lord. And then my wow. second oldest brother went up like 30 seconds later, and gave his life to the Lord. And I remember looking at them in the front and thinking their life has been just as sucky as me. Like they've been through just as much hard stuff as I have. Like we've all made so many bad choices, but they're making this decision and they're leading the way. So I'm going to, I'm going to like step out in faith and do the same thing. So I went up, um, and I got prayed for. And this woman came over to me. It was a speaker of like the event. It was like this church event happening. She came over to me and I just started like crying. She looked at me in the eyes and she said, she said, she like asked me my name. And I was like, it's Naomi. And she's like, Naomi, she said, from the time that you were a young girl, the enemy has tried to steal and rob from you. He's tried to convince you that God is not good. And she said, but I'm telling you right now, the very thing the enemy has tried to take from you is going to be the very thing that God is going to use for you to bring so many people to the kingdom. It's going to be the very thing that God is going to do for you, like to see like change in the world. And she, she literally started reading my mail. She started telling me when you were younger, like, I know, like, just like as if she like knew me um, because she was hearing from the Lord and the Lord has seen my entire life. In that moment, I realized, oh my gosh. I thought that I was alone from the time I was eight years old, but mm. God has like seen me. He has seen every single thing I've walked through. He's seen all of the sin that I've done. He's seen everything. And so I realized I was like, like I'm done. Like my life is undone. Like I have to give it like fully to Jesus. And so I gave my life to the Lord. And then my youngest brother came up right after and gave his life to the Lord as well. And so it was this crazy moment when I realized like I'm fully sold out for something and it doesn't ever matter what my circumstances say. Like I have chosen to believe in my heart, like that I'm part of a greater story. And yeah, and ultimately it's like, that's what, that's like where my chapter comes from is like, I have mm. a belief in my heart that God is good, that God is trustworthy and I'm a part of something greater. And if I'm rooted in that belief, I will have the ability to do anything I have because my drive is coming from that faith. It's not coming from a desire to be known by men. It's not coming from a desire to be like more likable or like have more followers on Instagram. It's like my drive is coming from a place of being like, no, it's so unshakable because I'm so convinced in my heart that God is good and that he's trustworthy. And mm. if that can never be taken away from me, then my drive and my my reason to move forward with action is something that will never be able to be taken away from me, you know? Yeah. Wow. Girl, I had shivers that whole time. 
Um, I told my mom that my interview with, was today was with you, and she was like, oh, that's going to be a good one. <laughs> so, man, I am so blown away and encouraged. This is like, um, thank you so much for like sharing all of your, your struggles and being raw and real and um, just open with all of us and using your testimony as a tool to... Um, encourage and convict other people like that's super I mean just everything that you experienced when you're in Thailand I remember that you were getting ready to go on that trip and something fell through and you weren't sure if you were going to be able to go and I remember it was so funny I remember the exact moment I was making macaroni and listening to Lauren Daigle when I was having the text when I was texting you about it and the song trust in you by her by Lauren Daigle came up and I was like oh, this is making me think of what Naomi's going through right now. So I sent it to you. But that's so interesting because like everything you were saying is like about trust. And I don't think I really knew that that's what you were struggling with. I think I just thought, oh, I'll shoot that over to her because I know she's struggling right now. And the even when we were like kind of constructing your chapter, like you kind of gave me like just 10 pages of like raw thought and feeling. And um, we like went back in afterwards and we're like, putting it in like sections, <laughs> um, just organizing it a little bit. And when we were naming the God truth section, I, I was like, how do I, there's just so much here. Like, how do you narrow it down? And I think I, it was a combination of the two of us that were like, I, it's something about God being trustworthy. Like, how do you convey that? Like God is worthy of your faith, um, like faith worthy almost, but that's not a word. So we use trustworthy. Um, but, <laughs> um, but that's just, it's just so interesting to hear how, like, from the time that you were little, you never really struggled with being driven, but your source was always, um, something that like you, you kind of at one point decided to redirect the reason that you were driven and, um, the source for your drive. And that's super encouraging to hear about. And, um, just your perspective on like, the kids, like your, your circumstances, how your circumstances don't determine God's goodness is something that I think is a truth that's really hard for a lot of people to understand. Like God's goodness is the same, whether you're a celebrity, you're super rich, you have all the fame and all the glory, yeah. or you're the kid in Thailand who has literally nothing and has lost their parents and doesn't eat three square meals a day. Um, God is still good and realizing that I think that's what so many people it trips so many people up about God is how can he be good and this still be happening and so to hear your perspective on that is just really like eye-opening and encouraging so thank you so much for that that was awesome Um, yeah so describe how that I mean I love that backstory because it kind of just leads up to where you are now Um, I mean like that being your first mission trip and now you view like your whole life is on mission and you've experienced um, two more, right? Two more like actual mission trips in other countries. And then, um, but just your daily life is sharing the gospel with people. So just share as if we weren't in quarantine. <laughs> Let's take a step back and pretend like we're not in quarantine because um, your answer would probably be different right now. But what does normal life look like for you right now? Why did you decide to move to Hawaii? And um, what's your like, mission stance right now well yeah so I right now I'm like you said I'm living in Hawaii and I'm um working with the ministry called respect the corners which I did not wear this year on purpose but (laughs) um and we're a functional fitness gym that primarily does like crossfit workouts um 
And so, but our ministry is, it's under Youth with a Mission, which is the largest mission organization. It's the largest mission sending organization like on the globe. And so we send a lot of people like overseas into different nations, um, really because we're, we're trying to fulfill the Great Commission. And we believe that like when Jesus said, go out into all the world and baptize and preach and disciple, we like, take like I like believe it's like he literally means go into all the world and so Mm -hmm. it's like my I personally know I will be traveling like to different nations the day I die like I'm always going to be in different places um so one of the ways that I feel like um the Lord is like asking me to step out into like discipleship through my mission is through being like a CrossFit coach um as well as being like an athlete and I feel super I feel super called to the lane of competing in CrossFit and so I believe that the Lord wants to encounter athletes like across the world in the sport of CrossFit um, as well as just like your average person that has a membership at a CrossFit gym because it's kind of it's a it's an honest honestly it's an awesome way for people to gather in like community Um, so I coach CrossFit classes and we bring people together and it's like you wouldn't believe like the kind of stories that come out of like our gym. It's like, we'll host these classes and I end up staying 20 minutes after with a girl walking her through like something in discipleship because she's all of a sudden realizing that she feels weak and she doesn't feel capable of doing and responding to the call on her life that she doesn't even realize she has. And it's an opportunity for me to step in and honestly share like truth with her about like, how when, when we're weak, like that's when God comes in and that's when he is supposed to be strong. Um, that's when he is strong and that's when he, he uses our weakness, right, to so that he can be glorified. And so it's cool because um, coaching CrossFit and being like in the avenue of sports and fitness is an incredible lane to disciple people because um, a coach is just somebody that walks along your, your, like as you grow as an athlete, your coach is somebody that walks alongside of you. But like spiritually it's like a mentor a discipler is somebody that walks alongside somebody like for their growth spiritually and so when Mm -hmm. you can like line those things up side by side like it's incredible because I get to walk with people as athletes but I also get to walk with people as they're like learning to be like sons and daughters um Mm -hmm. and so it's really cool because like aside from that even it's like we have there's so many opportunities like so many open doors and nations that are closed that I would never be able to get into, like in the Middle East or something. Yeah, I think it is honestly because CrossFit is like a global like sport. It's something that people do like all over the world. That it's that right there is like that's a that's like a track for me to get on to be able to see discipleship throughout every nation is because I jump on this train. And it like it doesn't just keep me here, but it actually it just opens up a lot of doors to be able to go into a lot of places to see people like have the revelation that I've had. And it's like so many people get encountered and like hear the voice of the Lord when they're working out, which is crazy to me. Like it's like it Mm -hmm. seems like such a small thing, but it's like there's so many people that I see like actually have revelation of who God is like in the middle of a workout. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's cool. It's really cool because it there's so many open doors to go into like different nations, like all over the world um, because I want to compete or because I like want to coach in CrossFit. But. Yeah. 
I think that's super cool just because that that applies to so many different people, not just for people who have like a heart for like the athletic field. It's really just any there's so many different ways to seek um, evangelistic opportunities wherever you're at. But there's also very specific, like something I've learned just in writing. It's like, I, I understand God's mind as an author, like 10 times more when I'm in the middle of writing a story. And um, my my dad's gotten like super into gardening lately, which he like, it's kind of newer for him. But like, he like understands God as like a, some someone that like, loves creation like 10 times more when he's actually in it all the time and he's having like all of these like revelations or just even like little inklings of like oh this is a piece of God's character that now I understand better and to like create moments for people where they have that epiphany or they have that like inkling moment of oh my gosh I'm actually really weak I can't do this by myself um or whatever moments that they're struggling with when they're in the middle of like like a workout or just even something what I what I think is really interesting is how it's like, it's more than just like going to like a planet fitness. It's like a community based workout. How I've, I've heard you describe it. So it opens up opportunity for actual conversation. And then when you have the conversation around the activity that you're doing, um, like even it's the same thing. If like, if you're a painter and you had painting classes and you had just like, you opened up the opportunity to talk about God as a creator, you know? And so there's just, I, I love that because I think it just applies. He has so many different facets of his character that we actually have a lot more opportunity to talk about than I think we realize. So even though God, you might not hear him described as an athlete, like he's a warrior and he's strong and he like fights for us. And there's all these like analogies and metaphors you can use in that moment to like portray the gospel to somebody. And that's super cool. And so I just encourage like whoever's listening, like what's that opportunity that you have um, to share the gospel with someone in a way that you might not have thought of before. And if you don't, if you don't clearly see that in your life, like start looking for ways to pursue that or create it in your, um, in your rhythm, like, w- like at least like once a week, do you have that opportunity um, where it might be a little bit easier or built in, but then, but even if you have to work around it, it's like, how are you using um, just your, your days and the daily like grind that some people might be going through to share like God's goodness and, and the gospel with people. Um, he shows up in just the ordinary. And I yeah. think that that's like, I don't know. That's super cool. I love it. Um, do you feel like there's anything that God's been specifically teaching you in this season right now that you want to share with whoever's listening? I think, okay. Yeah. So I think one thing that I'm learning, like, dramatically right now is like God is really showing me what it looks like to be a culture shifter. Mm. Um, and like that I think comes from this lesson of like, what does it look like to actually walk into a room and like shift the culture of that room? Or what does it look like to whatever your like your sphere of influence is, whether it's Mm. in sports, whether it's education, whether it's in family and government, like wherever your influence is, what does it look like to go into that place and actually shift the culture? Um, A lot of times I think about like the story when Jesus um, like walks into the temples and and, like people are selling things and tables and it's like, he walks in, he's like, what are you doing? Like, this is my father's house. And he just starts like flipping tables. And I'm like, (laughs) what? I just imagine like, what was it like in that moment when Jesus saw something and he's like, I know this is how it's supposed to be. Like, and there, it almost felt like there was this violation to something that was so holy 
to him because he's like that the original design of this temple isn't for things to be sold in it like something was feeling violated so he he walked in and he flipped those tables and that Mm. that's like a moment of us seeing what jesus was shifting culture he was shifting the culture of that temple because something was off and i think i asked myself the same questions where it's like i know that i have eyes to see things that are out of alignment in my Mm. culture um whether it's like gyms that i'm in when it's like on the competition floor competing in a CrossFit comp, whether it's like in a family setting, like, like in another country, like whatever it is, it's like, I have eyes to see when something's out of alignment. So what does it look like for me to walk into a situation, actually flip the table and like see Mm. a shift in the culture. Um, and I think that a lot of the times it's like the Lord is, he's showing me that a lot of times we shift culture just by the way that we are and just by Mm -hmm. the way that we act like he's probably not asking me to actually shift like flip tables and like get things you know like sometimes he asks us to take like extreme measures and like Mm -hmm. do things that are really going to shake the grounds but i think a lot of times he asks us to shift cultures just by by walking out in like walking as a son and walking as a daughter and so like walking out in peace or walking out in joy because those things the fruit of the spirit like those things are all contagious and when people see them they catch on to them um and that was, that's what shifts cultures. Like when people mm-hmm. start catching on to something, it's what's going to shift the culture. And so, yeah, I would say like the, the biggest thing I'm learning right now is like God asking me every day, Naomi, like what does it look like for you to wake up and shift the culture today? Like how do I act towards somebody? How do I carry myself? How do I, how am I acting when I'm working out with my friends? Like when I'm like calling the girl who I disciple on a weekly basis, like how am I, showing her like the characteristics of Jesus that's going to shift her culture um Hmm. um, so I don't know it's it's a really it's like a lifelong lesson I think the Lord is going to be teaching me for forever (laughs) um for eternity but it's 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 an incredible incredible like lesson it's something he's showing me because it's it's like what we're called to do you know and it's like yeah who we are as sons and daughters is we're supposed to bring heaven to earth we're supposed to bring Mm -hmm. the kingdom the earth and that's what it means like i want to shift the culture to be more like heaven here on earth um yeah it's just asking asking him in the daily like what does it look like to shift this culture because it's different for everybody depending on where you are what you do who you are what your position is be a table flipper that's awesome <laughs> well i feel like there's so many different times when we're in a situation whether it's like small like a group of friends hanging out or it's bigger like you're at work or you're um in like a bigger group of people where you're not the authority it can be really easy to like shrug aside things that happen that you might disagree with and not just out of personal opinion like maybe like out of a faithful place you kind of disagree with that um and to just kind of let it slide But I like how you phrase that. It's like if there's been a violation of um, something that like God has declared sacred or holy and something is violating that um, to not be afraid to shift that cult, the culture of that moment. Um, And I actually have a specific instance that comes to mind. I this January, I did a retreat with a bunch of young adults. We were talking about the the purpose for singleness and the mission for like the unmarried person. And it was a really solid, like, it was a really solid group. We're all believers. We're all like 20 to 30 years old. And um, at one point we were doing, like having just a conversation at night and people were talking about um, 
it kind of started serious and then it ended a little bit goofy, like about past relationships and stuff. And someone asked the question like to somebody like, oh, what was your like first kiss story? Cause it was actually a funny story. And then people started like sharing and it kind of started getting a little bit less like lighthearted and either like hard or a little bit like, I don't know if we should be talking about that. And I wasn't, I'm really like, I, this has always been like my biggest blind spot is like, I get really caught up in the, whatever the high of the room is. Like I'm not the person that like sits on the side and just takes everything in. Like I'm, I'm usually like um, more invested in like the inner, the energetic side of the conversation. So I was just kind of like, I was like participating and like listening and like wasn't shutting it down, even though I wasn't like, I wasn't contributing a story or anything. I was like, taking in everyone else's or laughing when they laughed. And this one girl, I like am not noticing like the three or four people that are actually uncomfortable with the conversation. And one girl just said, hey guys, let's change the topic. Like she literally interrupted somebody's story to say, let's change the topic. And I was like, what? And I looked over at her and I noticed, uh, that's when I like noticed the faces of the people that actually were uncomfortable. And I was like, huh. And my instant like feeling in that moment was irritation. Like you just interrupted their story. I wanted to hear the end of it. Or like we were having a good time. Why can't you like go have your good time with a different conversation? And my like, so my instant response was super immature and I was really irritated. Like, why did that happen? I don't know. And I've actually thought about that moment so many times because I'm not okay with the fact that my instant like reaction to it was irritation when I feel like that was the mature move. Like, why was I irritated about it? And so I've actually thought about <laughs> about that situation a lot. But that's what it, it feels like is like she saw like a culture in the room that maybe in the moment I didn't see, oh, there's some sort of violation going on um, just because I wasn't thinking about it. And like in my mind, it was in a different category. But when someone in the room does have the vision to see that and like really respecting and honoring and wanting that person's input or trying to be more like that person, I've like increasingly seen the value in that. And so I yeah, it's funny because I haven't thought about it. And actually, I, I was actually thinking about this story like just the other day, like how can I be okay with being that person? Cause I don't like being the killjoy. I don't like being like, Hey, we're having, everyone's having a good time, but those two people and I'm going to speak up for them. It's like, everyone's having a good time. If you're uncomfortable, go away. <laughs> just cause, just cause I don't feel like being the one to like ruin it, but like realizing there's actually tons of value in being that person that disrupts things. Um, when they see like an actual violation going on. So that's what I thought of when you're saying that. Um, I don't know if that's specifically what you're talking about, but that's awesome. That's to- that's totally it. That's totally it. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. So I guess I would encourage anyone else listening who struggles with the same thing that I do, <laughs> just being more open to that. What specific thing do you feel like you've been learning as God's been teaching you this that you feel like I don't know, like a tangible tool or a tangible. Um, like thing that you've seen that's helpful for being a culture shifter? I don't know. I think, I don't know. There's a, there's a lot, there's a lot of like, there's a lot of, hmm, there's a lot of like tools and I think ways that we can like practically walk out being culture shifters. But I honestly think that for me, the biggest thing that I would say to anybody who's like, I want to be a culture shifter. Like, how do I do that? It's like, you honestly have to listen to the conviction in your heart because most mm-hmm. of the time, the reason that people don't, the reason that I don't like 
like shift a culture that I know needs to be shifted is because I'm like afraid of what people are going to think or I'm yeah. like, um, I don't want to like kill the mood. You know, it's like, you mm -hmm. just like, you're just like, I don't know. Is it really that big of a deal? Like you kind of just like play it off. Like, it'll be fine. Like we're going to forget about this tomorrow. It's like not that big of a deal. Um, yeah. but I think we have to like actually tell ourselves like it is a really big deal because when a culture is like right and it, when it's like what it's supposed to be, when a culture is like in its original design of whatever it's supposed to be, like the potential for that culture to like grow fruit is so, so, so high. Cause it's like, that's, that's what it's supposed to do. And so it's like, we have an opportunity to either see that fruit grow or we have an opportunity to just kind of like settle for less and just be like, yeah, I don't know. Like it's fine. It's whatever. Um, and so I think it's like a lot of it is we, we know, like we know when we're, our hearts are like convicted about something. We know that when we shouldn't be like participating in an activity or watching a certain movie or like whatever it like is like for you. Um, cause everybody's convictions are differently. And I'm like, I'm not going to say what's right or wrong. Cause it's, mm -hmm. it's definitely like founded in biblical truth. And then also, what is the Lord saying to you personally? But I do think most of the time it's like we will shift cultures when we recognize in our heart the conviction or when we recognize something that's off, when we see something, and then we just have to take action. Like we just have yeah. to move forward with action without fear because if we understand the reward and the fruit of what's going to happen when that culture shifted, then it doesn't matter. Like it doesn't matter to us what we're going to lose in the midst of it. It's like, I will, I don't care how many people hate me after this, but I know mm -hmm. that like by me telling my friends, Hey, don't get into that car. Like you're drunk, like don't drive. It could save their life. And so it's yeah. like, that's a super example, but it's like, I want to shift cultures. So if I'm around a group of friends that are doing something that they shouldn't be, and it's actually like, like could harm them if I don't mm -hmm. step in and flip that table then it's mm -hmm. my duty to actually call it out because I'm seeing it with my eyes and I would be walking in disobedience if I had conviction in my heart about something but then didn't yeah. actually like come in and like shift that culture you know yeah for sure I think that's the key is like if you feel convicted about something and you don't do it at that point it's disobedience especially if yeah. you know it's in line with scripture like especially if your yeah. conviction is in line with scripture then you know that you're walking in disobedience once you've had that and I like like going back to my story I actually didn't feel a conviction in that moment to stop the conversation but afterwards when I got irritated at her for, for changing it that's when I felt the conviction you shouldn't have been irritated at that like that was actually good and I think that's that's the biggest moment that I've been like mulling over is like okay that's that was the conviction I was feeling when someone is okay with taking that step and you know it is the right step and maybe you should have seen that that step needed to get taken and they took it for you it's like that's the th that's the time that you actually need to be thankful and that you need to um, like be just accepting and um, actually just like grateful that 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 person was there to say that thing or do that thing or whatever your situation may be. But I love it. Thank you so much, Naomi. You've offered so many nuggets of wisdom and I'm really excited to um, go back over all of this and dive in and write a blog post. And <laughs> you're giving me so much to think about. And I hope... Um, everyone else listening has something that they've taken away. So thank you so much for being on here. Thanks so much for tuning in, you guys. Um, I hope you guys took something away from this. Don't forget to subscribe so that you don't miss another podcast. These are going to go out every single Monday, and I hope that you tune in next time. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of Strength and Dignity. We have lots of content over on our website with strengthanddignity.com, including our Bible study. This study is what started everything, so make sure you head over to the website to check it all out. It's a book that walks you through 10 characteristics in Proverbs 31 and how they might apply to you no matter what season you're in. We also talk about God's character and how we can better understand and reflect it to others. The book also comes with a free video series and leader guide if you want to go through it with a group. That's at withstrengthanddignity.com. Thank you.